You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. Here we are again at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. You, you don't have to be like Darmok on the ocean. No, no, no. It's Mission Log Live, where we are all like Darmok and Jalad on the ocean. I'm John Champion. And I'm Ashley V. Robinson, reminding you that every episode of Mission Log Live is Temba, his arms wide, as long as you call in and join the conversation. Otherwise, it's not. Tonight, we're talking about Star Trek Lordex Season 2, Episode 2, Kayshawn, his eyes open. So click the Zoom meeting link or use the one tap from your smartphone to call us at the number and leave your comments. Yeah, because remember, without you, our listeners and callers, we are no better than Kadir beneath Mo, Mo, Mote. My, 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 my Tamarian is so bad. My Tamarian is awful. I, I'm going to need a, a native Tamarian to call in and correct me. It's the universal translator. We already know it's not great. It is, I did, which I wonder if that if it was stuck in his head, like we would see him, you know, bang on his head <laughs> to get the translator to work. How have you been, Ashley? It's been a while for me. I know it's been like almost the whole year, which is so tragic. <laughs> oh, right, right. Yeah. Uh, but you're back into the groove with uh, with Lower Decks here. Very excited about. I'm uh, yeah. so, so excited to be back. I was really nervous last week. Why is that? You're a pro. Come on. I don't know. It's like it's such a high bar. And like I said last year, like I, I come from being a listener. So it's still kind of like, oh, wow. I'm here. I better be clever. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, well, I, I will tell you, we are only made better by your presence. So cool. there you go. Cool. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, glad you're back. I'm glad Laura Dex is back. And, you know, it, it's so weird that it's only 10 at a time. And maybe with the popularity of the show, it'll keep, you know, ramp up that production schedule so it's not so long between uh, shows that we see you, right? I hope yeah. so. But I'm also thinking... Because the shorter seasons is kind of the trend across all television right now. Maybe Lower Decks is going to be the one that hits the classic seven seasons before maybe Disco or... So, I mean, I don't think... Here's my wild prediction. Picard's not going seven seasons. <laughs> no, really? You think? Okay. I, just, just a hunch. I can't, you know, uh, yeah. I can't imagine why not. But I think Lower Decks may actually be the one to get there. <laughs> I, I, You know what? I would put money on that. So good call. Uh, listen, remember, folks, uh, to make sure that you line up for your live calls with Earl. He is standing by to queue you up. Just click on the Zoom meeting link. Use the one tap from your smartphone. Or just give us a ring at 669 then enter the meeting code and password. And I always look forward to this moment where we get to say hi to people who are in the chat and welcome them into the show because, come on, I mean, first of all, after seeing a bunch of people in Vegas and then now get to hang with them online again, it's it's like we never really parted ways. So there's Alan, there's Casey, uh, there's Brian, there's Paul, there's at least one other Paul hanging out. I think we're going to have a Paul Fecta. I think we have three Pauls tonight. Heck so yeah, a Paul There's John Arminio. Anne-Marie Siegel, welcome to the show. Um, I, a lot of fun hanging out with Anne-Marie and actually created a, uh, a Twitter handle for an upcoming podcast that watches and listens to Mission Log and The Greatest Generation. So it's like reporting on the podcast. So it, it's, you know, it, it wouldn't be, you know, podcast the podcast. But it, it's, it's almost there. That's uh, great. There, there's Narda. There's Michael. I love this. David Takeshi says, John Champion, his voice returned. Yes. 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 That is literally only within the last couple of days, honestly. So uh, glad to be here. I've, I, I got a little something here to sip on in between just in case. Uh, there is Tate. There is uh, who else? Oh, other Paul joining in. So good to see everybody. I am so glad to see everyone here. Let me give you all a quick rundown of what is coming up in Mission Log World this week. Um, now, on the next Mission Log, on the next regular episode of Mission Log, which will be on Thursday, uh, take me out to the Hollow Suite. 
So you'll all get to hear that. And of course, uh, you do love that episode? I love that, that episode. Norman okay. talked about uh, recording it last week and I was like, I can't wait to listen. I'm so excited. Oh, cool, cool. All right. Well, I cannot wait to hear what you thought about listening to that show. Uh, so we have that. Now, next week on the live show, it'll be Norman and Ashley back doing episode three of Lower Deck season two. And I just, come on. I love the title. We'll always have Tom Paris. I mean, the plate, the plate. It's the plate, the one we've all been waiting for. So can't wait for that. Uh, and then this week on regular Mission Log, we will be recording Chrysalis. So that will be out early in the unedited video for our Patreon subscribers. So uh, keep an eye on that. But of course, that leads us to tonight where we'll be discussing Lower Deck Season 2, Episode 2, Kayshawn, His Eyes Open. We already have some callers standing by, so now is your chance to get in while I do the recap. Or, actually, actually, if you'll indulge me, I'll make, like, Kira at Bashi. Okay? All right. It's so hard to write the metaphors. I have so much respect for you for committing to the bit. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm all tapped out after that. So, uh, all right. Here we go. Aboard the Cerritos, there's a new guy assigned a beta shift. His name is Jet, and he's immediately in a bit of mild competition with Mariner over status, showers, everything. They'll have their chance to work it out because they are immediately assigned to a mission, along with Tendi and Rutherford, to help catalog and secure the vessel that belonged to a collector. He collected things, a lot of things, just like all, uh, all sorts of stuff. And, and just like all of you who are hearing me say this, I include myself. Kerner Howes, the late collector, has his wares being watched over by a competitor, the betentacled chairman Siggy. He just needs the Cerritos crew's help to weed out the dangerous stuff so he can put everything else up for auction. The away team is headed up by the brand new head of security, a Tamarian named Kayshan, and his universal translator sometimes gets stuck, which means prepare for metaphors. Once on board, well, there's just so much stuff. It'll take a long time across many rooms. They get to work. St uh, stumbling across many priceless treasures from around the galaxy. Accidentally, one of them trips an alarm system, which makes a hollow painting of Kerner Howes come to life and zap Kayshawn with an energy beam, turning the Tamarian into a tiny hand puppet. Chaos erupts as automated weapons fire, putting the away team in danger. In the nick of time, they escape to a side room where Mariner hatches a plan to infiltrate the engine room to take the weapons offline. Jet, however, has a different plan, which is to get everyone to the escape pods where they can get the away team to safety. Two competing philosophies, and everyone sides with Jet. Hey, remember our old friend Boimler? He's been living in the high-impact environment of the Titan for a while now, fighting off pack leads, and now he ends up on a team that will inf infiltrate a mining operation to discover who's pulling the pack lead strings to get high explosives. He's a little out of place. Seems like everyone else on the Titan is ready for action, while Boimler is more about the exploration and, you know, staying alive. Arriving at the mine, their plan goes awry when disturbing the Pakled's pile of snacks, thus setting off a firefight and a chase. The Pakled's are relentless, but the Titan crew are ready to go out in a blaze of glory until Boimler reminds them that Starfleet isn't about phaser fights. It's about exploration and peaceful diplomacy. And they get it, but it might be too late. When the Titan arrives, there's an ion distortion which will prevent the transporter from easily beaming them out. Back to the collectorship. After evading the inorganic compound's compactor and a room full of bones, Mariner and her team find themselves fighting off a swarm of fierce Roombas that would indeed suck them to death if they aren't careful. Jet and Mariner trade barbs about each other's command styles when it dawns on them that they both have made mistakes. It's time to ask the rest of the team what to do, and it just happens that Tendi finds use in one of the artifacts. It's a bunch of Excalbian bones, and the acid they produce is strong enough to allow them to escape to a service duct away from the deadly vacuums. The team makes it to an escape pod and break the bad news to Captain Freeman. Keishan is a puppet. Down in the mine, 
Boimler has used his knowledge of past Starfleet missions to counteract the ion field, allowing the Titan to beam up his crewmates. He's the last one left when an explosion disrupts his tinkering, and the Titan transporter officer has to think fast in order to not lose the signal, and thus Boimler. Success. He's beamed back up. But moments later, the shuttle approaches, a shuttle approaches the Titan, and the pilot is beamed out to safety, and it's Boimler? Yeah. Same transporter accident that created a Riker duplicate now has duplicated Boimler. The only fair thing is for one to stay on the Titan and the other to go back to the Cerritos as an ensign. And on the Cerritos, Keishan is restored from puppet to person by Dr. Tana. Mariner and Jet have reconciled to realize that they make a good team. And when Boimler returns, he's greeted with open arms, as long as he picks up the drinks for abandoning his friends. They haven't forgotten the end. It's very ominous at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, he's going to get stuck with a big bar tab. That's really the major concern here. So, uh, I, look, I wouldn't forget. I can't blame them at all. I meant to ask earlier when you said that you had something to sip on if it was Romulan ale. <laughs> no, you know what? <laughs> I will say that I brought back some things from Vegas. Um, they might be branded alcoholic products in the Star Trek family. So, you know. No Romulan ale yet, though. There yet. Blood, yet. Yeah. There is blood wine. There is soon to be canar in my life, I hope. Ooh. Yeah. I, before we go to our first caller, I want to know, Ashley, just your initial impressions, because I feel like we both have a lot of notes because there's so much happening in this episode. Give me the doll. Give it to me. I want it. I saw someone online who compared Keishan's little puppet form to uh baby yoda how it was like such a big thing in the mandalorian and they were like they were like look at cbs not merchandising this (laughs) in the same way so i really i really hope that um in time for a big event or a holiday that we get i want one so bad he's so so cute and I'm not like a super technical person when I watch things, but the sound design around Keishan in the puppet form was so good because every time someone catches him, he does that like dog toy squeak that he makes. Or every time he's thrown around, it was so, it was like such a good small detail. And my love of that, I feel like distracted me from the 8 billion Easter eggs that lived throughout this episode. But I did see what I thought was Uhura's original uniform, which I thought was a really lovely callback to one of the greatest Star Trek characters. That was a great one. And and by the way, um, our friend Aaron Harvey did an incredible (laughs) screen cap, like this grid of about 40 plus items. And he did Mm -hmm. a key to that so you can go through and see what they are. And then there are just more coming, more and more and more because it is packed full of details and not just in the collector's ship but in other parts of the show just a little little details in the titan uh so yeah so much cool stuff happening there but i thought exactly the same thing with all the cool merchandise coming down the pike that little puppet (laughs) has to be made stop it i mean yeah i don't want to wait as long for that as i have to wait for cube dog i hope so i mean i want i want one for me i want one for the cat I want, <laughs> yeah. I want it on a shirt. I have the cube dog shirt. Uh, so hopefully they put a little Keishan on a shirt too. But Yes, I yeah. agreed, agreed. All right, so much to talk about. Let's go to our first caller. It is Paul. Paul, how are you doing tonight? Hey, John and Ashley, how are you guys? Hi. Look, I got my cat. He decided to join. Cat. <laughs> uh, all I can say is amazing episode and and as a collector myself i i will show you that we do indeed collect puppets this is little puppet fauci yes <laughs> <So> indeed, <laughs> collectors do collect puppets um god what a shout out to the to the industry it's just amazing uh the show and i got it i just looked at um trek movie has got an entire article pointing out you know what they found and they didn't even list the thing that my wife and I spotted immediately, which was the little game thing that comes around your eyeballs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, right. We watched that twice. We saw it there. Um, the Klingon love helmet. We got to give a shout out to that. 
Payless's fornication helmet. Someone who's going to wear that. That's going to be a cosplay. Mark my words. Oh, look, I just get those ready for Christmas because everybody's going to want one. Uh, I'll wear one. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. Yeah. <laughs> that's what John's going to pick up going forward. He may oh, be sure. like my helmet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Oh, that, I can so see that happening. <laughs> and here's a here's a shout out to uh, John. He he pointed out I, I invested into a beverage for John in Vegas, and he he told me about something Hendrix blah blah blah, and so I bought some. And uh, good choice, my friend. I, it's like go. smooth. It is. It, so Hendrix, oh. uh, for those who don't know, that that's my go to now. It's got that little bit of herbal floral taste to it, and you hit it with just a tiny bit of lemon. Or, oh. So good. So uh, this is Gen Talk brought to you by John and Paul. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yes. you guys with your grown-up drinks. <laughs> I know, right? Right. Exactly. Of course, you're not old enough, right, Ashley? No, I mean in the in my country of my birth only. Uh, <laughs> so, right, right. Um, I, you know, uh, Paul, something that I thought about because you are definitely uh, a collector par excellence. Um, I, my my heavy collecting days. I, I don't do as much now. I, I'm trying to sort of boil things down to get a few essential pieces that I really care about. But this episode, I just felt like. It was made for people who are Star Trek collectors. Like they just they watch it and then they go, "Oh yeah, I I would be that guy." I, well, what it does is is really point out the fact: what happens to all your stuff when you die? <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I mean, well, I guess we think about that and try to write it into the you know the the will or whatever. But um, man, what a collection! And then the fact is, he uh, he had it all booby trapped. Even so, after he passed away, they were chasing him around. Ooh, I, by the way, shout out hashtag booby trap. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Be true. Um, <laughs> so one thing I, I want to bring up, because there's a the, the gentleman following me who appeared as a Ractogenomug at, STL, <laughs> at STLV. You pointed yes. him out last week, Ashley, and didn't realize it. But um, you'll get to talk to the uh, Ractogenomug next. The last thing I want to talk about was, was the transporter, um, you know, accident, was that too gimmicky? I mean, once they mentioned it, I was like, oh, that's what they're going to do. Is, was, do you think that's a good way to do it, or is there a better way that they could have done it? Ooh, I, I have thoughts. Go first, Ashley. Uh, I think it's cute as an homage, as somebody who avowedly hates Thomas Riker. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was not impressed on, on that level. And look, Jonathan Franks was a very, and remains a very seminal crush for me. So like two is definitely better than one. Um, I think for Lower Decks, I think for Boimler and for this type of story, that we could have had a way more ham-fisted version of it. I thought it was cute. Um, and I do actually hope that we get to see uh, William Boimler at some point again in the future. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, um, it, this is one of those things where uh, it, it's funny, Paul, like right before we went on the air, Ashley and I were kind of giving each other our, our just quick summary uh, about the show and how we felt about it. And I said that this struck me the way that a lot of other Lower Decks episodes struck me, which is I watch it the first time and I just go like, okay, there's too much. They're just trying to cram joke after joke after joke. And then literally by the second time I watch it, I'm blown away because there are such good character moments, such good growth, so many Star Trek moments. And look, 22-minute episode, they had a solid, worthy A plot and B plot in the Star Trek tradition that both really worked and paralleled each other very nicely. So when... The first time around when it, it felt like just doing the list of things. Here's Boimler doing the list of things he knows about the Enterprise or the list of things that he knows about Riker. I felt like, okay, enough's enough. Could we possibly just get the joke out in a more subtle way? But the fact that they gave it some payoff at the end, the fact that they were probably leading a bit of the audience who wasn't as clued in to that specific moment as other audience members might be, I felt like I had to give them a pass. Um, I, it, you know, maybe if we're all being armchair quarterbacks and we're we're all looking at what coulda, shoulda, woulda, sports, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> then, then you could look at it and say, like, okay, th- there's another way to angle your way into the joke and and let that same moment happen. 
but I'm glad they let the moment happen. And I'm even more glad that they had the little bit at the end about the name. Like, oh, I'm going to, I got to name myself William. How do you think? It's like, oh, come on, you little kiss up. (laughs) (laughs) So I I thought it worked, but I don't, I don't think it worked on its own as a joke. It worked because they gave everything else some resonance at the end. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I uh, got the answer I thought I'd get. Um, (laughs) (laughs) One last thing. What do you, wait, wait, what what do you think though? What do you think? I, you know, we guessed immediately what was going to happen and I still enjoyed it. I really did. Yeah, that's so what it comes down to right. It's yeah. the show is just so overwhelmingly good. It's so good. I, I just it's a must see every week now. It's like the old days of Star Trek. You have to you have to watch Lower Decks as soon as it's available. Yeah. So um, one thing I want to point out. Last thing, uh, Ashley, if you go over the Trek movie and go down, they have a Twitter feed. Somebody made the finger puppet of um, what's his name, Kayshan. There is a Kayshan finger yes. puppet in Twitter, and it's oh spectacular. Now, uh, I hope it's for sale. Yeah, no. Oh, so I, I, I think I'm going to introduce next a gentleman who most likely will come as the puppet next year <laughs> to Chicago. <laughs> Ladies, give, give him a chance. Yeah. Here's, here's Chris. All right. See you guys. <laughs> Take care, bye, Paul. Bye, Have a good bye, one. Bye, Katie. Chris. Welcome. Okay. Put I have me to on say, the spot, Paul. This I've is, only got six months. This is, <laughs> this is my iPhone 6. I scrolled back to find this. Uh, Adam Drozen, friend of the pod, sent yes. me. Yes. The Ractagino guy. Yep. It was like the, the first yep. cosplay I got sent. So I didn't know that was you. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is me. That is That was me. That was me on Saturday. Uh, that arm. The, the not Rakagino arm in the photo with my mother, who very graciously shepherded me around the Rio all day as I <laughs> could not see a darn thing inside the Rakagino mug. Uh, so yeah, that was that was a very fun day. Yes, I was also the Rakagino mug. Surprise. You were almost uh, the same color Rakagino mug that I actually have, but mine is a slightly darker blue. <laughs> oh, okay. right. Very cool. All right. yeah. yeah, by the way, uh, shout out to Adam and uh, shout out to Barbecue. Okay. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, yeah. We all know. We all know. Um, Thank you for following me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes, Chris, uh, tell us what you thought. Uh, it uh, again. It was very good. Um, just to start off, my sort of fun observation. My favorite like joke this season, and I hope they keep doing it, is that they put the Delta on every conceivable thing. So, like, last week, all of Mariner's workout gear had little deltas on it, and this right. year the towel and the shower, the shampoo bottle have a little tiny delta on it, and I just want more things with deltas on them. That, that's it. That's all I need in life is officially so branded much, whatever. So much branding. So that, like, they're in a – like, finally it makes sense for them to be in on the branding. Like, on Discovery, I kind of have a problem with the Delta being on everything. It's on the boots. It's on the top of the phaser. So, like, if you're getting shot by somebody from Starfleet, you know for sure in your last seconds alive (laughs) that it's Starfleet that ended you, you know. But at least in Lower Decks, like, they're they're sort of in on it. I I think somebody in Lower Decks needs to call it out, too. What do you put Delta's on everything? Oh, I don't know. You remember when that old app TikTok started? We got really good at branding around that time. (laughs) Right. right. Exactly. Um, I'm going to go back to something that... um, We're getting a little feedback there. I'm not sure whose system it is. Sorry. Uh, I want to go back to something that Paul was mentioning because it made me think, if anybody didn't hear our Mission Log supplemental about the convention and about Larry Nemechek's State of the Trek, um, it was so interesting to me that he asked the audience, okay, who had trepidation about Lower Decks? Ooh, it's animated, it's comedy, how do we feel about this? And easily half or more than half of the hands went up in the audience. But then he asked, all right, now how many people love Lower Decks? And every hand went up. So this really is the show that won people over. And even I feel like episode to episode, like me tonight, it's it's like, ooh, if there's something that I saw that I didn't love, oh, but then they won me over because they made such a damn good episode. 
I think that's a beautiful thing about Star Trek and the fandom is that we're also willing to admit our mistakes to be like, I was concerned or I was taken aback, which was a big theme that we all shared at the beginning when we were first talking about season one. And now we're like, but it's great. And it's true to Trek and the speech that I'm sure we're going to get to that Boiler gives later on is like really beautiful and could have been in any other Star Trek show and it would have felt accurate. So that's lovely to hear. Yeah, agreed. Uh, by the way, in the chat, uh, David's saying, can we please talk about corn now? <laughs> yes. Street so, corn, specifically a very southern... Oh, oh the elote, yes. LA thing. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. So the, the other night, it was before I'd watched the episode, uh, a friend of mine, uh, James Kerwin, shout out James, he sent me a picture of uh, Chief O'Brien with two pips, and he just goes, street corn. I'm like, what are you, what is this your new pet name for Chief O'Brien? I don't understand what you're talking about, but yeah, that, uh, that was it. Uh, Miles Chris, Street Corn O'Brien. <laughs> <Miles laughs> O'Brien. That's a t-shirt. That's a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, shout out real quick here. Scott Palm saying hi and uh, sorry I'm late. Hey, welcome to the show. You join us whenever you can. There's Aaron. Uh, there is other Paul. He says, I have to say, this is the episode that won me over. It took a while. So, hey, see, there you go. That that theory stands true. Just as Props you were, for sticking uh, with it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Chris, any other thoughts here before we go to our, uh, our next caller? Yeah, I just want to throw, I want to this is purely a headcanon speculating thing, but based on our first two episodes and sort of how Mariner has sort of reacted and been like the fact that Boyle is gone and that she's trying to hide that she doesn't care, but she really does care. Mm. And my sort of like headcanon is that Mariner has been lower decking for so long and she's gone through like two or three groups of ensigns. And now mm. she's got to like our group of ensigns and she actually cares about them. And especially Boimler who they had their sort of yin-yang thing last season, like learning from each other. And then that he's gone, she doesn't really know how to deal with that. And now he's back, so she's glad about that. But she's still going to razz him. But that's my thing, is that Mariner lived a very lonely, like, lower-decker life before the show started. And she's glad to have this sort of core group that is our protagonist now on the show. Uh, very true. Yeah, I couldn't have said that better. That, that it's it's that that building of that family group that, that is so so nice to see in this. Um, excellent, Chris. Thank you so much. We're going to move along to our next caller here, and uh, we'll see you again. All right. All right. See you around, guys. Hi, Chris. We'll bring up Take a new care. cosplay next week. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, you know, actually one of us could like go to a mall somewhere here in the Southern California area and just, you know, one day run into a guy in a wrecked Gino cup, like, around, <laughs> like shopping, you know, just, oh, there goes Chris. Just uh, truly wouldn't even be the strangest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> no, no, probably not. Probably not. Um, and, and before we uh, drop over here to Alan, our next caller, I, I do want to mention something else that got mentioned in the chat. And that is, uh, oh, man, I, I'm I'm trying to find it. Uh, because I, I think they phrased it exactly right. And I'm sorry, kind of scrolling up and down here. Uh, Spockeleton. Is that, is that? Oh, they... yes. The, yeah. the Vulcan skeleton. The, the, the 50 foot Spock from the infinite Vulcan yeah. animated series. So, <laughs> so cool that there are just so many deep cuts. That's one thing that we should be asking each other and asking people who call in, like, what was your favorite reference Ooh, yes. or object so do, do you have a few that you loved um ahura's costume which i mentioned yeah, before was absolutely. probably my favorite because i feel like ahura isn't always um because she's not like as visually striking a character i feel like she's not always given her due um the helmet was very very funny and then mariner had that strange vulcan weapon from a mock time oh yeah at one point the, on the, the collector's ship yeah and and yeah. as like a diehard uh, Vulcan fan who got engaged at Vasquez Rocks, which was Vulcan. Uh, <laughs> any, any Vulcan references, and since someone else picked the giant uh, Space Home Depot 50 foot skeleton, uh, the weapon from a mock time was probably yeah. my favorite. Those were great. I mean, I, I've got to give a shout out to the little city from the Terraton incident mm -hmm. animated series, that tiny little uh, city. All, it get, looks a little worse for wear as it's been in the collection. Um, <laughs> I just love the Terran Empire logo hanging up on the wall. 
lights. Yeah, OG throwback. Yeah, yeah, kept a a souvenir from uh, from the Mirror Universe. Thought that was great. Um, Khan's necklace, you know, made out of a broken Starfleet belt buckle. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Which makes me wonder, how did they get it? I mean, off of his cold, dead body, (laughs) one assumes. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. like Reliant blows up. And then there's this one little, little you know, Starfleet emblem floating around. So, like, ooh, I'll take that. Yeah, like it just happened to survive this the massive compression into space. Sure, fine, whatever. It's made out of, I don't know, on a titanium. Yeah. <laughs> yes, of course, like everything else. Um, I so yeah, there were just so many good ones. I one little. Oh, I, I hate myself for being this pedantic. I hate, <laughs> I'm so full of self-loathing for Do saying it. this. Okay. Do it. The one thing I wanted on 50 Foot Spock, mm-hmm. because they've been so wonderful about uh, uh, putting in little animated series references. Yes, they do love TAS. <laughs> give 50 Foot Spock that weird, janky Starfleet logo that oh, they had on the yeah. animated series. <laughs> that giant, like it takes up a third of the shirt and it's like angular. And yeah. They were like, you can have the Delta, but not to scale because <laughs> right. this is, right. you know, it's Star Trek, but like, it's not Star Trek. just do that yeah yeah, we'll be fine that's Um, funny but maybe they have other plans for it maybe could be could be but at least we know now that 50 foot spock did exist and then sadly didn't exist it's canon canon. (laughs) all right uh coming in here with uh he is the the king of the Riker meme and he is our friend he is (laughs) alan our next caller uh alan welcome to the show Hello. Guys, how are you doing today? Okay. All right. I, you are wearing a t-shirt that needs a little explanation. Yes. Oh, I, I oh John. Yeah. John. May I? Steve Rogers, the Wing Monkeys? Yes. Yeah. I, well, you, understand, you understand this reference? I don't. Well, I, okay. So, <laughs> I, yeah, yes, I understand this reference. Uh, very good. So, uh, Ashley, are you a fan of Halix? I don't know what that is. Okay, I I hand the floor. Oh my God! Look at that image. Okay, I, I'm going to furiously Google while you guys chat. <laughs> I, I apologize oh. to our audience that sometimes, like on our show a few weeks ago, uh, we we had to just go off into a tangent <laughs> about the Brady Bunch house. Yeah. Right now, we're going to go off into a very short tangent about Halix. A, a you have the yeah, you have the floor, Alan. With give us the nutshell version of Halix. With me, it it seems to be t-shirt talk. But okay. um, <laughs> you were but, you were incorporeal last time. All was your head. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Strange energies are much better now, so we're all good. <laughs> but yeah, so picture it: summer, nineteen eighty-one. <laughs> the Walt Disney Corporation looks around Disneyland and says, "Hey, we've got this stage that's in Tomorrowland, and nothing else is going on in this." <laughs> What can we do to capitalize on the fact that we've got a stage in a futuristic setting? Why, I know. Let's put together a rock band based on a sci-fi concept that is legally distinguishable, but similar (laughs) enough to Star Wars. Yes. Before they owned Star Wars. Yes. Uh before they own Star Wars, before even Star Tours. In fact, I think Star Tours may be where this stage used to be, or it's definitely close. It's close. It, it's yeah. where they do the uh, Jedi Training Academy. Oh, uh, if, nice. if they're still doing that at the Tomorrowland nice. stage. Yep. I will I yep. will have to mention that because the reason that I have this shirt is I'm uh, planning a trip to Disneyland in a couple months and with my family. And so I was like, it's been 40 years. Yeah. Let's let's do this. And so my plan is to wear my Halix shirt around Galaxy's Edge and Tomorrowland and everywhere. Yes. Yeah. So, so I and some very dedicated fans made a documentary oh, yeah, yeah. about Halix and oh, cool. they just uh, now getting the life that they never had when they were <laughs> this band the, at Disneyland. The um, Defunct Land podcast was kind of behind that, yes, right? Right. Yep. Exactly. And so, 
you you can tell that this was a 1980s band because it was it was very much Kiss in pre- presentation, lots of like touches of of Pat Benatar and and other things. Their most popular song was called Jailbait. Ooh. <laughs> oh God! Oh hey! Yeah! Wow! Ooh. Wow! Yeah! The 80s. Yeah, the yeah. 80s. <laughs> the 80s, everybody. Hey. Wow. Uh, so so there you are. And by the way, sorry for that diversion. Uh, oh, no. Paul, Paul calling me out, uh, one of the Pauls calling me out saying, uh, we're used to OT John. And I assume, that he means, <laughs> I assume that he means off-topic John, not that I am an operating fetan John. So, but I might be. I, I almost, be. I almost swore. We're not doing that when we go to, to Anaheim, John. Look, I, 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 I just got on a list. I'm sure I just <laughs> yeah. ended up on a list. So, uh, now, with that out of the way, Alan, give us your thoughts here about the episode. And I'm curious, what was your favorite Easter egg? Yes. Oh, my favorite Easter egg. Um, well, I mean. It's hard to call 50 foot Spock an Easter egg <laughs> since he was kind of yeah. more of a plot point in sure. the episode, but I like that. The The first thing that I, I think the first thing that I spotted was the, the Betazoid gift box that Armin Shimmerman played. Yes. Yes. Oh my and God. That's right. <laughs> that blew my mind. And I was just, you know, when, when I heard the premise, I was like, okay, this is the episode. This is where it, this is where they just go, you know, they turn it up, you know, spinal tap. It goes to 11. <laughs> yes. Yes. You so know? many little details in there. And, and the, the, the face in the box, the gift box was just yeah. magical. Yeah. But yeah, see, yeah. And I think some other people mentioned the game from the game and, you know, it took me a while, but I eventually found Odo's bucket and I found all these other things. I also like that there were some real things in there too, like the Mars rover. And mm-hmm. there's there is a painting in the background that that I know is famous. I can't think of who it's by, but it's a painting of a lady. It's kind of cubist. So I'm guessing it's either, it might be Picasso, it might be Dolly, it might be somebody else entirely. But yeah. yeah, there's there's definitely real stuff. There's a unicorn for some reason. Uh, it's Scotland's <laughs> national animal. It's very important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the the thing that I like about the Mars rover being there is, is that so this is all part of the Star Trek continuum, all part of the Star Trek universe. And on Mars, you have, or and around Mars, you have Utopia Planitia uh, shipyards. Mm-hmm. And you also, I believe in Enterprise, didn't they have uh, like a Sagan Point or something like that? So there are all these places that are known in Star Trek that happen at Mars. But here's this, you know, hundreds of years old, incredibly important piece of scientific equipment and somebody between now and the future of Star Trek just went, nope, I'll take that. And they put it in their collection and ran off with it. So, well, I yeah. mean, humans in particular have proven that we will take something of cultural significance from somewhere else and put it in a museum, Dad. So. That we will. That we will. Yes, yes. Uh, what else, Alan? What, what, uh, what do you want to mention about tonight's episode? Well, uh, I, you know... I don't know. I, um, I don't think we were doing live shows or I wasn't doing live shows at the time, but um, Darmok is, was a very, I don't know, not special episode, but it was definitely like a favorite episode. It was kind of, I believe the situation was, you know, I think I was in like either uh, fifth or sixth or fifth or sixth grade or something like that when it came on and we had like just learned about Gilgamesh mm-hmm. in in the course of you know doing either English or history or something like that, and then it's on the show, and it's like, oh my goodness, this thing that that you know, you know, I, we we had been talking about all week, and then suddenly, bam, it's on Star Trek. It right. just sort of like opened up. It, it was it was kind of like a, a weird sort of eye opening experience, and I've always loved that. I've always loved the Temerians 
as a concept. I know it doesn't make a lick of sense, but it's so much fun. Um, the one thing that I will say is that, you know, when I've sort of head my way into, well, what if they bring the Temerians back? It's always been that the universal translator takes their metaphors and turns them into metaphors that we understand. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. you know, they're, they're, they're hanging around, they're cleaning up the collector's ship, and he's like, Mary Poppins, her spoonful of sugar. <laughs> it reminds me of the um, Whose Line game, uh, if you know oh, yeah. what I mean. <laughs> mm, yep. Yeah, yep. or, you know, what's going on right now? Uh, Roger and Jean, the balcony is open. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, that's good. By, by the way, and this is perfect to have you describe you, the, the meme king, uh, the Riker, because uh, Paul Harveth in the chat says, Alan, with memes showing. So, see? Uh, it, you're, you, you've worked your way into exactly what you're describing, which is perfect. I, I'm curious to see how many people like, get, slash, appreciate the ones for... Uh, that I'm sticking in the the meme for uh, take me out to the hollow suite. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. By the way, uh, Aaron in the chat makes a couple of very good points. He says the unicorn could be a call out to the horses on Nimbus uh, in uh, Star Trek V. So yeah. I like that, like that line of thinking. And he says about the Mars rover, at least it won't get destroyed in Picard. So <laughs> somebody, somebody grabbed it. They put it in the collection. So yeah. yes, good, good thinking. Yeah, the Indiana. They did the Indiana Jones. This belongs in a museum. It belongs in a museum, exactly. Yeah. Hey, I, uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, just, uh, just sort of wrapping stuff up. I, you know, I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I felt that honestly, this could have been two episodes. Like I, I loved everything on the collectorship. I loved everything on the away mission. Uh, And, you know, it's one, I, I, I know what they, I loved what they did by putting them together, but at the same time, I wish there was a little bit more of both. Um, Mm. You know, I wish we could have gotten to know those, the, the Titan crew a a little bit better. Um, As speaking of references, the speech at the end reminded me of a, a, a film from the nineties called airheads where at the very end, (laughs) You know, Brendan Fraser and his group of uh, metalhead rockers get outed as nerds, and oh my <laughs> suddenly God. from the crowd, it's sort of like you know, I too was a nerd, and I did this, and the 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 line that has stuck in my brain ever since I saw this is from out of the crowd, Lemmy from Motorhead. <laughs> turns up and says, I was the editor of the school magazine. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. But yeah, yeah. So much good stuff. So much, so much to to talk about. I love it. Alan, thank you so much for calling in. We will see you again soon. I cannot wait to see the meme this week. And and we will see you again next week. Okay. All righty. Have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh, I cannot wait to get to our next caller, Cherie, but I'm going to ask you to hold on for just a moment for a tiny bit of crass commercialism. Please bear with me. Uh, I do want everybody within the sound of our voices to go check out the Mission Log Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash mission log. Why? Well, I'll tell you why, because one of the most fun things that we get to do as a Mission Log community is join the Mission Log Discord, and it is thriving and full of awesome people who are having conversations about everything from this show to regular mission log and all the topics in between all kinds of track movies soundtracks etc and because it's me a food and beverage channel in there as well so uh come join patreon and just even for as low as a dollar a month which you get a discount if you do annually you can join the discord and get full access there it is a blast and seriously every penny absolutely helps us to keep this show going and helps keep all the talented people who are involved with mission log to keep going and and by the way that discord uh soon to be joined by some very awesome people uh like holly like jessica and like our very own ashley v robinson who's sitting here in front of me i know right yeah that's true that is a true and scientific fact 
correct. <laughs> it is. So I can't wait for that. And if you can't wait for that, go over to patreon.com slash mission log, join us there, and then we will see you in the Discord. And and that's not to mention all the other cool stuff, like the unedited videos where Norman and I are stumbling through a recap every week. You love that. That's that's good. That's worth the price of admission right there. So we'll see you there. And now, uh, very pleased to welcome to the show our next caller, Cherie, also calling from the Lower Decks and in uniform. Welcome to the show. Oh, we can't hear you. Hang on. Let You're us muted. Unmute you. But you look amazing. Ah, there we Thank go. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say I have quite a bit of sweet corn on my collar here. <laughs> so, so much sweet corn. Look, sweet corn is delicious. And, and as somebody who uh, enjoys food, uh, my dry cleaner has gotten to know me very well because I'm like, yeah, sorry. It's, it's another, it was another good night out with good food. So you got to take care of this. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. yeah. So what is on it. your mind tonight, Cherie? Uh, so it's been keeping me up at night, <laughs> and it's, you're, you're the only people who'll understand because everybody else is just like, "Why? Why are you thinking about this?" <laughs> oh, that's why we're here. You, we, you have found your people. Yes, yes. truly. <laughs> um, uh, so, which Boimler, like, did shuttle? So I'm thinking about them as shuttle pod Boimler and transporter Boimler. Yes. So which? So. If we're going by the original Riker episode, it's the one that got beamed who's the original because that's the Riker who was the original Riker because he he beamed onto the ship and he was fine and the other one got left behind. Right. So that's shuttle pod Boimler, theoretically. However, I've watched this multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> when they beam shuttle pod Boimler on transporter Boimler says, I'm the clone, boo. <laughs> so now I'm confused and also which one stayed on the Titan and which one went back to the Cerritos because even if regardless of which one's the clone like I have this theory that the one who went in the shuttle pod because he's the only one who's had like a different experience would be kind of more hardcore, more hard Titan, because he had to like fight his way through Packlids smoothly yep. to get to that shuttle pod. Whereas the you know one who got beamed there was just screaming like we're used to Boimler screaming. So I was thinking <laughs> that's the original Boimler, but we don't know for certain. So what do you guys think? <laughs> go go to it, Ashley. Okay, so I have also right. spent a good amount of time thinking about this because if this were TNG, yes, sure, you are. My people. <laughs> if this were TNG, if this were like, you know, 90s, 2000s era Trek, it would be exactly as it's been presented, right? Like, uh, original Boimler is going back to the Cerritos to be reunited with the family. Really, really easy, straightforward. Maybe we'll have another episode, kind of like the Mirror Universe, where we see the Titan again and we get to see like hardcore Boimler. But is a very smart show that has done a really excellent job undercutting our expectations so i think that we're gonna go one or two more episodes and then reveal that it's clone boimler i really hope i really hope that like at one point like we figure it out because actually at the because at the end of the episode i remember the titan crew was like oh we'll see him every day because like his clone is here Mm -hmm. but we don't necessarily do we know that? Because, like, you know, he changed his name so that would fit in with the Riker clone, but are we following that? Are we? Like, I don't know. <laughs> mm. I also so, love the idea that Boimler might just be like, this is my chance at a redo. I can be a hardcore badass. <laughs> and then that's who he decided to be now. So, like, OG Boimler <laughs> is now William Boimler. I don't know. It's truly a mystery for me. <laughs> I, so, yeah, I, I kind of lean on the side that says that William Boimler is the one who, yeah, he is the one who got stuck down there with the pack leads. By the way, can I just say that the thing that made me laugh out loud every time I watched this episode was the pack leads rushing at the door with the saw. Yes. You have to knock down yes. the door with the saw. That just <laughs> that killed me every single time. Um, Series long villain, the packlets. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the most brilliantly stupid thing I've ever seen. So um 
Yeah, William Boimler is the guy who got stuck. He had to fight his way through the pack lads. So for like 90 seconds longer, he's more of a badass. And he's the one who belongs on the Titan because that's where all the action is. So it's sort of like, yeah, the uh, the regular Boimler who ended up back on Cerritos, he misses his chance to stick where he really wanted to be. But he's not really cut out for that because he's not the guy who had to fight his way to stay. So I, I feel like that is uh, Boimler Prime. And uh, uh, Clone Boimler, Clone Boimler is definitely William. But it's so funny that, of course, in Star Trek logic, you only get Thomas Riker because he was there for like eight years or something Mm -hmm. that he was stuck behind. Now it's literally about 90 seconds. (laughs) <laughs> that, that is the the separating point in those two. It's still all the same background. It's still all the same life experiences. It's just that moment that changes him to be this other guy, changes the clone to be the other guy. So I think it's the clone who's stuck behind on stock, who who opted to be behind, <laughs> on, behind. Uh, <laughs> uh, on the Titan. And uh, But I, I love this idea that you do a reveal in a few episodes and we learn something different. I so wonder... we'll, we'll all reconvene right here yeah, in right. like three weeks and see right. who's right. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Cherie, I, I want to know what else did you find in the episode? Did you have a favorite uh, Easter egg or in-joke or something? Um, I I don't know if it was my favorite, but I was pretty proud of myself at like noticing the game on one of the um, little like heads. I was like, oh, it's the game. Uh, <laughs> yes. And yeah. I love the case on Puppet. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, so cute. I lo- and I love when, like, when a lot later on, they're like, oh, like, Kayshawn, when he turned into a puppet. <laughs> right, and, and how adorable was it, the, uh, the the little sign at the end, like, written in marker? Oh, yeah, puppet, don't, don't, don't play, play with, play with me. <laughs> yeah. It was also a nice way to see Migley Moo again for more than just one scene like he kind of got to bookend sure. the episode like i thought that was really cute right always right. good to have that was more cool. of him. i like that yes yeah, yeah. uh so good and uh, you know while uh, by the way a couple of comments here that i i think are are a lot of fun uh first of all uh alan says is it really a thomas Riker, or did the cerritos get back logie boimler so he brings up the idea that maybe it's not a transporter duplicate Maybe it's like an enemy within thing, and we're going to end up with a couple of different Boimlers. So that's always a possibility. Transporters can do that, you know? Exactly, (laughs) exactly. And then, uh, just very nice, I wanted to share with everybody here, and and with Earl, of course. Narda says, I just want to say I love Mission Log so much fun and a little, uh, a little of this action. So right we love you, you. yeah, exactly. So and then uh, Paul Wright says, next time we see Titan Boimler, he'll have a goatee. Hmm. Dun dun dun! That would be so <laughs> excellent, truly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I want to throw out uh, a topic to the assembled panel here. That means both of you, Ashley and Cherie. Sonic showers. What's the deal? <laughs> <laughs> I don't Talk. understand why there's one switch like to control all of them. I would think the intensity would be like you know individual. You would, but think. maybe the my, the only thing I could think was maybe theirs was so powerful that it was it was overpowering the individual intensities that the other people had. Kind of like they just turned on like a fire hose or something over on their side of the room. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah, very intense. But but here's one question. Why would you make a sonic shower do that? (laughs) Maybe different. Probably the same reason you turn off the safeties on the holodeck. Yeah, maybe different alien races need a different amount of force. Like maybe because Klingon skin is tougher, it needs to be more powerful. Okay. I don't know. Cartoon nudity is never not fun. Like that's the reason that this scene exists specifically. (laughs) Like it's so silly. Like they're not nude, but to have it pixelated, I I was like dying watching it. It was so funny. Yes. I and to me it was a little bit. I don't think you did a good job too with the with the what? Go ahead, Sheree. Sorry. No, please. You you have the floor. I I thought they did a good job. Like it it doesn't it doesn't look like they're like censored or anything. Mm -hmm. Like it looks kind of normal but you can't see anything important well <laughs> it, it was like they're just sort of that. shaking like, it kind of seems like more like a hang. 
Yeah, yeah. It's a, the, the sort of like shaking from the from the sonic vibrations, you know. And, and I thought, you know, for me, it felt like a, a nice, fun little homage to uh, Enterprise, you know. Oh, was, sure. Was, yeah, because mm-hmm. of course, Enterprise kind of played up this, you know, the, the the sexy look of the decon chamber, and now it's just like, okay, we're going to go purely for comedy. Here's all these naked crew members, but uh, it, it's just torture for them, you know. <laughs> Well, the, I also love the idea that Boimler is like offended by communal nudity because one yeah. of one of my favorite TNG, I, I guess, additions to the canon is um, I can never remember what they're called, but basically the the male uniform that is a dress because we are post gender, we are post like binary and all that, and, and I love the idea. Like communal showers actually really works for me in the Star Trek world. I know we mm. played it for giggles here, but I was like, yeah, yeah. absolutely. If you can see an alien, like what does someone of your own speak? Like how exciting is that going to be? I well, by the way, uh, uh, nice shout out to the scant. Uh, Thank you, the scant. Thank yeah, you. somebody who has rocked one. I'm uh, I'm fully on board with that. Um, but you uh, know, as I, someone who likes men, I am also fully on board. Okay, all right. <laughs> cool. Everyone looks good in one. <laughs> all right, you you got it. Um, uh, but I, I did wonder, like you know, you have these state of the art, incredibly advanced uh, starships that that have things like holodecks and you know shuttles, and they go at warp speed. But, like, is it too much to ask that you have a little bit of privacy? Because, look, they're sleeping in these little bunks that are just completely, like, they're in a hallway, which is a little weird. And then, you know, okay, yeah, you can take a shower, but there's going to be 30 of you in the room when you take your sonic shower. I guess that's what the second pip gets you. It's a barrier wall. Oh, that's the incentive. That's the incentive. I like Work your way up. You don't have to see everyone else's butts. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. nice. That's why Mariner stays on lower decks. She loves butts. I figured it out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The the other thing I want to ask you here in our closing minutes, uh, because we alluded to it earlier in the show, which is that this is one of those fantastic episodes, not just of lower decks, but of Star Trek, where they do the Star Trek thing. They entertain you but then they slip in some messages. And I feel like the morals, meanings, messages here were spot on and felt so Star Trek. And I'm just wondering from the two of you, like, what did you pick up here? Were, were there things that made you go, oh yeah, that is that is so Star Trek. This gives me Star Trek feelings. So for me, I was gonna let Cherie go, but I think she's oh, still I think muted. She's muted. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, you are muted. There, there we you go. Are. Sorry, my internet. Go my internet for it. No, no, no. Really weird. <laughs> <laughs> my internet just freaked out. Um, gotcha. So uh, I, I lost kind of the last few seconds. <laughs> oh, did, did you hear the question, though? Because we, really what I want to find out is uh, in the mission log tradition, because I feel like this episode had morals, meanings, messages, had something to say about Star <laughs> Trek and about its mission. Uh, what did you pick up from it? Did anything resonate with you? I I loved that they they like just turned to Rutherford and Tendi and were like, what do you guys think? <laughs> and like I know that like a lot of fans have been complaining that Rutherford and Tendi have kind of sidelined because of Mariner and Boimler. So I think that that was maybe the the people who make the show listening to the fans and being like, okay, finally we we promise you <laughs> we're gonna get them there. So uh, yeah. I thought it was great that they were able to have more Rutherford. Uh, Ashley, are you still shipping uh, Tendi and Rutherford? I just want them to kiss so bad, and Mike won't give it to me. It's all I want. I love um, your enthusiasm so much, Ashley. Ugh, thank you. That was I the reaction I wanted. <laughs> that was the reaction I wanted. Yes, thank you. I just want to be at their wedding. Um, <laughs> if, you, if Mike, draw me in the background, please. I know you're yeah, not there. You go. Please, 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 please. Um, I, I think that they did a really great job it's particularly in Boimler's speech about reminding us about like the themes of exploration because particularly and, and I love the Kelvin verse and I love new Trek but we're getting a little more action and so I thought the callback to these exploration and the intellectualism of Star Trek was lovely but ultimately the morals meetings messages for me was that it's all valid because we got to see everybody uh accomplish something and 
give towards the problem solving and and get rewarded and wind up where they wanted to be. And that's lovely from an inclusive humanistic worldview, which is what Gene Roddenberry gave us when we first got to us. But it's also lovely for this era of Trek that we're like six or seven generations down the line now. And I thought it worked on two completely different levels. And for me, that's Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'll back that up 100% just to say that, it, to me, both plot lines, the, the A and B stories here, had these parallel messages about keeping your eye on the real goals, you know, science, exploration, and safety of your crew, because you don't get to do those things if you're just constantly chasing after heroics and and uh, you're in it for self-aggrandization or, or adventure. Like, yeah, those are fine, too. The adventure is fine. There is some something exciting about this but you have to keep your eye on why you're there and it's not about badass heroics it's about learning it's about the journey uh there are these examinations of leadership and listening to other opinions which was so cool to see in that moment with tendy and rutherford because they had something to contribute and it just it, it was too much bickering obviously between jet and mariner which they needed to cool off and it was nice to see them appreciate each other's style so much going on there, which I thought was awesome. And uh, by the way, also the another message from uh, Chris Riker in the chat here, very important. Don't forget this one. The message is figure out now, not later, what you're going to do with your fornication helmet. <laughs> so, well said. Yeah, I can't argue with that at all. Uh, Put it in absolutely. your will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, uh, thank you, Sharif, for calling in. Ashley, Pleasure, as always. Can't wait to get to do this again with you and uh, watch you and Norman next week. So uh, cheers. It's my absolute dream each and every time. So thank you for having me. Well, hey, I guess at this point we are Mirab with Sales Unfurled. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live by puppet Earl Green. We do hope he's restored to his human form soon. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry podcasts. If you would like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thank you to everyone who joined us live or later. Stay safe, stay healthy. We look forward to talking with you next week. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.